0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I just want you to know that I didn't dream that up. That is actually a biblical... Uh, Two words that the Bible talks about, spiritual gifts. You say, well, Mike, what's all that about? Well, Paul says, and he's speaking to brethren. Now, understand, if you're lost and you don't know Jesus, then you don't have the ability to, to know, nor most likely is it engaged in your life toward the spiritual gift. These are for saved people. This is for people who know Jesus and people who have been born again. As Pauline sang earlier, I was listening in the back. That's cool. Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, you call somebody ignorant in a line at the grocery store, you better be ready to fight. Ignorant is one of those words that it's not a bad word. But we take it, you know, on the chin. We we sort of get ticked off when somebody says, well, you're just ignorant. Boy, that makes us want to fight. Well, the word ignorant is not a bad word. It just means we're unaware, uneducated about or that we technically are unlearned about a certain area, a, a certain subject. And so, while it's important that you and I know what our spiritual gifts and this morning I want you to understand the title of the message is what is your spiritual gift. Now, we're not going to settle that today, <laughs> but we're sure going to hopefully wet your whistle. And, uh, and hopefully you will want to do something about it. There are a couple of reasons why I think it's important that you and I learn and discover what our spiritual gift is. One is that it will deepen your appreciation of God's love for you. Two, it will broaden your concern. Three, it will intensify your zeal. And four, it will increase your appreciation of other members of the body of Christ. You see, we're all put here for a reason. Now, hopefully you're a wheat and not a tear. But it's not my job to separate wheats and tares. That's, that's Jesus' job. And that will take place at the end, at the time of the second coming when Jesus comes to separate us out. Well, there are three things Paul says we shouldn't be ignorant about in the Bible. One, we shouldn't be ignorant about the devices of the devil. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And look, Satan's pretty smart now. He's got some good schemes, even though his teeth have been kicked out of Calvary's brow... He'll gum you to death if that's the way he can get it done. And he's got some schemes and tricks, and he knows what he's doing. So don't be ignorant, Paul says, of, his, of the devil's devices. Number two, don't be ignorant of the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming again. And you, you say, well, we've been saying that. We've been hearing that all my life. Well, you'll continue to hear it because the Bible continues to teaches it until he returns. And then you'll see that the truth is just as he said and the third thing that paul says i don't want you to be ignorant about and that is your spiritual gifts now if we're told not to be spiritually ignorant about it then we need to do something about it to come up to speed look you just proved to me that last week i got my job cut out for me and that is i have to raise the awareness and heighten of you to desire along with the holy spirit what's your holy what's your Spiritual gift is if ten percent or less of this congregation, you don't know what it is, then you've got some work to do, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And so May the fourth on Sunday night, we're going to begin a four session uh, class session on how you or or for you to discover and know at the end of that session what your spiritual gift is. Or the four sessions. What's your spiritual gift is? You don't come, you don't care as far as I'm concerned, and I'll just lay it out like it is. Well, look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. There, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh in all of us. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit, with all you say, Mike, what's that talking about? Well, as I understand the spiritual gifts, I break them up in my mind, and I have a a pea brain mind. I look, if you can't lay it out there simple for me, I can't get it. I was born in Tennessee, and you Georgians know that we Tennesseans have pea brain minds. We got one leg shorter than the other, and and it, so it just takes a little longer for us to get it. But once we get it, we got it. And so. Understand this, as you break down the spiritual gifts, the first segment and section or category of a spiritual gift is the motivational gifts. I promised the early uh, early service that I'd preach on that next week, and since I'm not going to treat you any different, <laughs> you're going to hear uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. If you want to look at that, study that, those are seven, at least seven, Motivational gifts. Now, look, when you got saved, in now, can I hear amen that salvation is a gift from God? Amen. All right? Is the Holy Spirit a gift from God? All right? Then I'm telling you, I am going to prove. I, don't, I can't say that you'll get it next week, but I'm going to prove to you that you've been given next week a motivational gift and uh, and you can count on it i mean it's your personality it's who you are it's how you react when controversy comes it's how you are when someone gets into your zone and you're going to act that way well the second one is ministry greek gifts it's the diversity of operations these are service gifts that's mentioned in Ephesians four eleven and 12. These are gifts of ministry. And a lot of us have been giving these gifts, but some of us may not have these particular gifts, but yet we've been called to serve. And so... You know, you just have to find out what it is God's called you to do and, and be about it. And the third is manifestational gifts. There's motivational gifts, ministry gifts, manifestational gifts. What are those? Those are the gifts of healing. It's the gifts, the Greek word uses karyos gifts. Those are the gifts of healing, miracles, tongues, discerning of spirit, and so on. You can't manufacture healing, my friend. Unless you're a doctor and then you can't always heal everybody. When something supernaturally takes place and you're super... You say, Preacher, you still believe in that supernatural healing? Well, sure I do. It's in the Bible. Why wouldn't you believe it? You got some kind of problem with the Bible? You, you got to believe that stuff because that's what Jesus teaches. By the way, some of you have been healed. Can I hear Amen. Some of you, God has specifically reached down and touched you and taken away your whatever it might be that you considered an illness. Verse 4 says, now, there are these different kinds of spiritual gifts. Uh, uh, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Holy Spirit who's the source of them all. Verse 7 says, a spiritual gift... Is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church, not tearing it up. Now, listen to me. If you have a spiritual gift and it brings division in the church, it ain't of God. You bring division in any way in God's house, in God's work, and it's classified as disunity, it is totally of the flesh. You're walking in the footsteps of the very one. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11, you better learn why you've slipped in that path because those are devices of the enemy. So we don't bring hurt, we bring help to the body. Ephesians 4 says... That God is the one who gives us these spiritual gifts to the church. And our giftedness is to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry and to build it up. Man, I don't understand preachers that go in and tear one apart. God said we're supposed to come in one and we're to build it up. I'm, I mean, unless there's a stronghold in the church and I'll fight it until I have no strength in me If on the strongholds. But I have to fight it. Through Ephesians 6, I have to fight it not in the flesh, but through spiritual means. And that's the only way you can do it. That's why prayer is important. That's why the discerning of the Spirit is very important. Well, y'all interested so far? Turn to Matthew 25. I'm either going to interest you or disinterest you. Matthew 25, Jesus teaches a parable. It's an interesting parable. Because I'm going to blend this parable with the giftedness. Some of you are saying, you can't do that. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> and I believe I got her in context. You, you, you say you just I don't believe it. Well, I don't care what you believe. I'm preaching, not you. So, Matt, you can just go home and wrestle. You can just argue in the mirror with yourself. Because I ain't going to argue with you. I believe it blends. The master in Matthew twenty five represents. Our Jesus, or our Lord. The servants represent in this passage the saints. The talents represents money. You say, well, there's where I got you, preacher. Money has nothing to do with spiritual gifts. Oh, really? Well, you, you haven't read your Bible. In the book of Romans, and that's chapter 12, verses 8 and verse 13, it says there is a gift of the spirit of giving. Now, I'll grant you, giving don't all rec- always mean money, but it does involve money. Can I hear an amen? amen? So don't tell me in this parable. This parable is a parable of talents. And talents here, if you read it in the New Living Translation, refers to a bag of gold. Money. He gave one servant five talents. He gave the second servant two talents, and he gave the third servant, how many? Hey, y'all read your Bible. What? Now, I want you to understand this because I think there's some good things here. The, the, the saint is to be a steward. He's to be a servant that God has gifted by the Holy Ghost to serve in his field. Now, the first point I want to make to you has to do with all that you have is God's gift to you. Look, I look at nothing at my house far short of the fact that what I have, it's God's gift. He has given it to me. Now, I didn't say it was a spiritual gift. I said it was a gift, and I know where it comes from, and I know who gave it. My life, as I get up every day, is a gift of God. Would you say amen to that? Boy, when you die, you'll find out it's a gift of God. Every day that you wake up breathing with your toes as you stand up pointed straight, because see, when they kick up, you're gone. You're toast. You're history. You're eternally gone. You see... All that you and I have. Look at verses 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. And that, that man is the master. And who has called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. He gave one five talents, another two talents, and one one. But notice in verse 14 and 15, he gave them according to, to his own ability. And immediately he took a journey. Every man has at least one talent. Every man has at least one gift. Now, I'm telling you, you got more than one. I know you got at least three if you're saved. Someone said the other day, I'll tell you why, church. Or they said, i tell you why the church don't know what their spiritual gifts are for the mo- most part, because they're not saved. I said, well, that is an option. If you don't know that you're lost and you're not born again, then naturally you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. But if you're here professing to know the Lord Jesus, you have been given a spiritual gift. You have been given abilities, which are not spiritual gifts, and you've been given talents to do things. If you've been given a talent to do something, then you must do it. You must use it somehow, some way. If you can't use it in the church that you serve and we're going to do everything we can to see that that takes place. But, I mean, let's face it. There are some things that God gifts the people to do that solid rock's not doing. And if we can't pull it off, then we need to find somewhere where you can be gifted. That doesn't mean you have to go there, it mean you need to serve in doing it. So, anyway. Verse 15 tells us that the talents were given to each according to their own ability. God gives different gifts to different people according to their different abilities. Not everybody in here has the same ability. And that's all right. You know, sometimes you'll sing and people go out and say, Golly, you did a good job. Some people go out. When I sing, they go, Preacher, I'll sing and preach. Well, that don't seem right. (laughs) Well, you know, I can't help it that I love music. Years ago, when, when this church didn't have a, a, a choir, or, or not a choir, but a praise team or a band, or we didn't have nothing. In the earlier days, we had what was called before Patty, a digital hymn player. That is an instrument sent from hell. <laughs> you got to start with it, and if you don't stop with it, it's, you're all off. It's all we had. Listen, some of you say, bless God, I don't understand why churches have bands. I do because I like it. And I've realized after getting out there preaching in some other churches, I can name you a few that don't have a band if that's where you want to go. And I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying, look, you ought to appreciate what you've got. You ought to appreciate everything that they do. They're not paid to play. They do it out of a passion and an ability and talent. And they give it to God. Believe me, you know the ones that don't give it to God, or Terry does. <clears throat> and I've dealt with a few of those through the years. In this matter of the amount of talents... The amount of talents is irrelevant. Whether you've been given five, whether you've been given two, it don't matter. God's okay with it. You should be okay with it. I hear a lot of people say, well, I just don't like what God's given me. I want to do this. Why? You haven't been gifted to do that. Why do you want to do that? Why can't we stay within how God has gifted us? Is there anything wrong with that? Boy, well, y'all are awful quiet. You see, it's not a matter of what God's, how many gifts God's given us. It's what we do with them that matters. God's not concerned whether you have a great ability or a little ability. God's not concerned with whether you have a great talent or a small talent. It's what you do with the talent that, that matters to God. You, listen to this. You, you won't get it the first time. I ain't going to say it but once. Your opportunity will never exceed your ability, and your ability will always equal to your opportunities. But as each man had been given ability, he has also been given the responsibility to take the opportunity to use the ability for the good of the master. Remember this. All that you have, whether it's your money or your ability or your gifts, should be given as a gift as it was given back to God for His glory. Now, if you do that, you won't ever get mad at me. Some of you, I think, just love to get mad at the staff, walk around, I'm mad at them, today. Well, I'm mad at you. And I don't have a clue why we're mad. If you're serving God for His gift and His glory, what are you mad about? I can tell you, this face right here is going to make you mad sometime or another. It's just going to happen. And I'm going to let you down one time or another. That's just who Mike is. Ask Cindy. She'll tell you. Second of all, God's gifts is to be used for God's glory. You see, the master represents, I said, the Lord. The servants represent the saints. And the truth about the parable is the Lord has called every saint to be a servant. And God has gifted every servant. And he has given every servant the ability to use the gift for his glory. It's not to impress me. It's to bless him. That's why he gives the gifts. And he gives them because he loves you. He gave them before the foundation of the earth. And he gave them to you. It's your heavenly gift. That's cool. And we got it. Every ability at the same time is an opportunity. And every opportunity carries with it a responsibility. And that responsibility is to seize that opportunity to use that ability and to make that ability account for the glory of God. I ain't say I said I wasn't going to say that again. I did. Whoo! That's a lot of words. Then what, God, what does God expect? Look at verse 16 and 18. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five. And likewise, the one that was given to he also went, and he made, he doubled his. But the one who only had one talent, what does it say he did? He took a big old shovel, and he went in the backyard, and he dug a big old hole. And he took that one gift and put it in the ground, covered it up, and sat on it. That's exactly what some of you are doing with your gift that God gave you. You're sitting on it. Now, that don't mean your rear end is your gift. That ain't what I'm talking about. You're doing nothing from the heavenly point of view of what God gave you. Can I ask you why? You say, well, I don't know what it is. I'll let you off the hook. But you better be at that class May the 4th. By the way, I'm not even teaching that one. Twelve people have already studied and went through with Bill Burnham, and he's going to be teaching on the four sessions on the spiritual gift. And some of them are hearing me now. They already know what their spiritual gift. And by the way, we got some work to do after we find out what our gifts are because now we got to know how to take those gifts and engage them into God's ministry and into His field. And if you're not doing that, you're a do-nothing person. You're not doing anything. You've just dug a hole and you buried it. But he wants you to resurrect it. He wants you to, as Paul told Timothy, stir that gift up inside and get it going and let's use it. For for who? Me, no. For him and his glory. Well, just because you have been given a talent and just because you have been given some abilities... And not all talents and not all abilities are spiritual gifts, but there's still things that God can use. You and I need to understand that regardless of what we need to do, we need to give God our very best. I like what a former coach of UCLA, UCLA, John Wooden, he was a basketball coach. He won more national champions than any other basketball coach in history. From an early age, Coach Wooden's father taught him one basic principle. Don't whine, don't complain, and don't make excuses. Just do the best you can. He said, and in this illustration, if you ever lived in Indiana, you know that in Indiana, high school basketball is a whole lot more popular than football. That's just the way it is. And boy, when it came around uh, to state tournament time, it was the biggest event in the year. Well, it was George Wooden's senior year. Coach Wooden, he was in high school. He, his team had lost the state championship by a single point. Coach Wooden was the only member of his team who didn't cry after the loss. The reason was because even though he was disappointed, he knew he, just, he had done what his father said to do. He'd just done the best that he could. When he got home from, the, from that loss, his father put his arm around and said, Johnny, I want you to remember something, and he told him this point. You're going to be better than some, and some are going to be better than you, but you should never accept the fact that you didn't make the effort to do the very best that you could do. I am a firm believer we're not doing that as a church. We're just not. And we need to raise a standard. You say, well, if God calls us to do something, then we need to do whatever we are called to do and implement and engage for His glory. Well, thirdly, God's glory will result in your gain. Look at it. Verse 19 to 23. After a long time, the Lord of those who came settled the accounts. Some had received five talents, he he doubled it two talents he doubled it but notice what the lord said each time when he spoke of this faithful servant he said you were faithful oh no he said well good well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things notice what he said i you are faithful over what a few things i have met people in my life in the church that have felt that God wanted them to do 40 or 50 things in the church, and all they did was bring confusion to the church. Why? Because we weren't called to do 40 or 50 things in the church. We were called to do a few things. You want to know why you get stressed out in the ministry? You want to know... Why, we burn, fry, and throw up and have to go on sabbaticals? Because we're doing too many things, and we're not doing just a few things. We're doing way too many things, and we're messing all of them up. Because we weren't called to do a bunch of things. We were called to do a few things. What is that few things? Your giftedness. Whatever it is is your spiritual gift. He goes on to say, but. The servant, look at verse 24 and 25, that was not considered faithful but considered unfaithful. He said, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered the seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. And here's what is yours. Was he commended for that? His talent was taken away. You either use it or you're going to lose it. I'm a firm believer that God has called a bunch of people to do a lot of things, but they're not doing it. And we're giving these excuses that we're too old, we're too sick. You may be too old, but you ain't old enough to serve God. I mean, come on. Some of them got up there 900 years old. You made it there yet? All we're doing is using it as excuses. And Jesus is saying, I don't hear the excuses. I'm not accepting any. And when you stand at the... At the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to look and open and see not what you what, what you uh what you couldn't do. He's going to see what he gave you that you could do and see if you did it. There will be rewards given to the judgment seat of Christ, and there will be rewards taken away. That's what the book says. You say, I don't like that. It don't matter what you like. Jesus didn't write the book for you to like it. He wrote you the book to learn from it. Man, some of you can sing and you've buried your talent. Some of you can serve and you've buried it. Some of you need to be working all over this building, but yet you're sitting on it and you've buried it in your backyard by just saying, I'm too busy. Let me tell you something. If you're too busy to serve God, I'll tell you, you're too busy to live. And take it from somebody that learned the hard way, being too busy is not a spiritual gift. It's just not. There is no excuse for not serving God. Notice what Jesus Jesus told in verse 26 and 27. His Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Therefore, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own interest. But he didn't do it. You say, what is that likened to? I'll tell you what it's likened to. It's likened to someone who gets saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and does nothing in God's harvest, does nothing in God's vineyard does nothing but just say i'm too busy well i won't am i might hold up down here and i'll accept it i don't like it but i have to accept it but jesus not no he doesn't accept that whatever you do for god now will reap an eternal reward later and whatever you don't do for god now will be lost Forever. You got one shot to get this thing right. You got one shot to serve him. You got one shot because, I mean, listen, some of you may not make it to the ripe old age that you're shooting for. And those good old days, they ain't good old days. Next month, I'll be 59 years old. I know what they're talking about now. I'm telling you, I feel old as dirt. And then I look in the mirror, and I'm getting looking like old as dirt. Everything that used to be black is turning white. And I'm not talking about my skin. I'm talking about my beard. Where there were no hair, there's hair growing everywhere. In my ears. Between my eyes. I don't go in and just get a haircut anymore. I get a face cut. It's just a part of life. But understand this. We got one shot. When you start, you better start now. And the way to start now is to begin to pray, God, what is it and what is my spiritual gift? Verse 28 and 30, he said, Therefore take the talent from him the the unfaithful servant and give it to the one who has 10 talents for to everyone who has ha, who has more will be given and he will have the abundance but him who does not have he even what he has will be taken away you don't use it you'll lose it now I would love to think I could preach this message under the inspiration, and I prayed for it, of the Holy Ghost, anointed by God. But several of you are going to go out here just like a duck. You know what I'm talking about? When water hits you, it just rolls off your back. You ever seen a duck just get, just rolls off the back? And I preach my heart out, and I just think, well, he just did a good job today. That's a wonderful sermon. I just loved it so much. Love it enough to do something about it. And you'll make me feel better. I can't imagine how God feels about that kind of garbage. Oh, well. I feel better. I'm getting all this off my shoulders. You see, Jesus said, He who is faithful in a little will be faithful in that which is much. Father, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. He pointed out to a tiny little spot and he said, tend that little place for me. I answered him quickly, oh, no, not that place. Why, no one will ever see me work there. No matter how well my work was done, not that little place for me. And the word he spoke then wasn't stern. He answered me tenderly, Nazareth was that little place, Galilee was also that little place where no one seemed to see. Guys, Jesus didn't come in here shot out of a cannon with blazing saddles and stars and stripes. He didn't come in any spectacular way. Came like a little old baby, just like all of us. Lived among us. Shared three years in in extensive training and love for us. Training who he could, who would listen. And then he was nailed to a cross. And he went back where he came from. He went back home. And guess what he's waiting on? He's waiting to come get us. He's waiting for the Heavenly Father to say, Jesus, stand up and go get him." Lord, that gives me cold chills. But you know what a problem is with that? You still got some lost loved ones. You still got some sin in your own life you need to deal with. You still got friends that if Jesus comes back right now, they're busting hell wide open. Because it's over. When he comes, it's a done deal. I can prove to you in the Bible that. The only tribulation saints will not be the ones that have been sitting in the church house and rejecting and rejecting and rejecting and rejecting. For they will turn away. There will be a great delusion brought on them. It's in the Bible. You're going to get it. You better get it now. You got one shot. Heads bowed, eyes closed.